Welcome to the First Time Podcast. I'm your host, Tad. If this is your first time listening to the First Time Podcast, it's really, really simple. Either me, the guest, or both of us are going to talk about a first-time experience, whether it's a movie, TV show, uh, food, literally anything, and we're going to just talk about it. And um, I've been on a roll for quite a while, and it's no surprise we're going to talk about a movie, but uh, today I have a first-time guest, and uh, he is a horror fanatic, a retro gaming aficionado, the co-host of The Slaughter Movie House, hailing from Kansas City, welcome Scary Gary Cooper and his perfect eyebrows to the show. What up? What an intro. Thank you, brother. Of course, man. A legendary person deserves a legendary intro. So how's it going? Well, you know, they're legendary brows, and that's the only thing I can call around here legendary. But it's going phenomenal right now, you know, starting to pick back up from that, you know, crazy 2020 year. So things are looking pretty good. Yeah. So speaking of, are you guys going to be getting back to the Slaughter Movie House anytime soon? Um, you know, that's kind of, you know, the big question a lot of people ask us right now. And, you know, it's kind of in the works. Obviously, my, you know, sidekick has become you know pretty semi-successful with her yeah. new feature film the stylist you know so I, she's got a lot going on with that and you know right now it's kind of hard with the whole cinema scene and stuff like that like the the spot we used was always given to us for free you know it's kind of an even trade we we do movies on a monday night we fill up a house and they'll make money off concessions you know and then we get to do our thing and now you know like so it's always been a free event to our guests as well and i wouldn't feel right doing that you know right now so, you know, and I and I, I feel bad asking, you know, we've been free for eight years to all of a sudden start charging a, a fee. So it's just, you know, it's it's up in the air, something we may discuss. But as of right now, it's just still kind of, you know, on hold. But who knows? You never know. We may see some events, you know, called Slaughter Movie House Presents where we just, you know, are allowed to show random movies at Screenland Armor via the Slaughter Movie House name. Yeah, I, uh, I've i always admired you and Jill, what you do there. And, and just that theater in general does a lot of really cool stuff. I sort of look up to those guys um, when I do some programming here at the Capitol, but we're in the same boat. We're just, uh, we've been close since last March and we've done a few things here and there, but it's, it's, you know, hard to even keep the doors open right now. And, you know, slowly, slowly getting, getting stuff uh, back to normal, but it's been a long haul for everybody. Yeah, it, it's, it's a rough ride, but man, it's like, I, I feel like there's light at the end of the tunnel right now, you know, got my V card right now. So feeling pretty good about life. <laughs> yeah, man, me too. Uh, high five to that. I, absolutely. And and actually to lift the curtain a little bit, we were talking about recording this a few days ago and um, I had just gotten my, the, the pharmacy called and was like, Hey, can you come down for your second shot? I'm like, sure, we'll go down. And the next day, it really uh, hit me hard, but I'm feeling pretty good now. So, you know, definitely worth the whatever 12 hours of misery to, you know, get that. Totally, get that card, totally. Yeah. yeah. Fortunately, like, I mean, I got a little under the weather, kind of like hazy, but just basically for me, it's just, you know, a sore arm, like a really bad tetanus shot is what it was. You right. Know? But other than that, I mean, like I said, yeah, totally worth it. I mean, I'll, I'll take 10 times worse of pain for that than to, to help get us back to some kind of normalcy, you know? Yeah, so um, speaking of, what have you sort of been up to the last year where we're almost forced to sit at home um, without going to theaters? I know, like, you, you're a big movie guy like I am, but you're also a, a big video game guy. Oh, man, you know, I did my best being stuck at home to take advantage of the fact. I mean, guys like me that collect stuff, we're, we're built for this kind of thing. You know, <laughs> we have enough stuff to keep us busy for a decade, probably, if we didn't have to leave the house. Though, leaving the house is pretty nice. 
I'll say this, I became a big fan of uh, elast- elastic pants, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just, uh, if I don't got to put a belt on, it's phenomenal. But then again, obviously my waistline has agreed to that too, so touche. But uh, no, you know, I just took a lot of time. I, I, like I said, took the best advantage of it by like doing theme things every week in lockdown. I would do like Scary Gary's Thursday binge where I'd try to pick a movie franchise and just like watch the whole thing in one day, one setting, you know? Or, you know, obviously I have thousands of uh, retro video games in my game room and a lot of them are on my backlog. I mean, just like we've discussed before on previous podcasts, um, you know, we have movies that we've never taken out of the shrink wrap. I have video games like that that are still sitting in the shrink wrap, you know? So it's a good way to finally bust some out and really get into some games that I haven't ever thought about playing that just been sitting on my shelf collecting dust. Yeah, I follow along on your Instagram, Facebook, all the social medias, and uh, I, I'm i always uh, loving that you're doing, like, theme nights and you lay out your stuff and take pictures. I mean, you, you like marathon movies, marathon video games. You, you never miss a holiday. Um, you, you, like, point out holidays I didn't know existed. There was, like, a Mario Day recently. Uh, right, March 10th, baby, Mario Day. <laughs> yeah, and, of course, of course um, you know, May the 4th is coming up, so we got Star Wars com- Day coming up. Uh there's just these fun little things for for nerds like us, but uh, I am like the other end. Like I, I I'm probably gonna just sound like a boomer this entire episode uh, because my gaming um, sort of like my foray into gaming sort of ended. I would say maybe in high school. I remember my history. Like we grew up with every system. My brother is a big time gamer. Um, he you know gets every new system he's he's just deep into it and especially was when i was a kid and my mom even played quite a bit my we'd have to like beg my mom to stop playing uh the original zelda we had like that gold cartridge on nes and right uh, right my mom classic (laughs) yeah we had uh i remember we, we were pretty poor but we had a subscription to nintendo power magazine we had them all stacked underneath our entertainment center and it was like you know, we'd get those and get the cheat codes inside and the and the strategy guides for games and stuff. And back when never like having like 10, you know, five to 10 games seemed like a whole lot. I'm like, look at my collection. It's dope, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'd borrow them from your friends. I remember my brother. Oh, yeah. When you could trade games. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Dude. You'd go to your friend's house and like, dude, you want to trade this a uh, track and field for Contra? And if they did it, you're like, oh, dumbass. <laughs> yeah. It's like we never went on vacation, but we always had the newest system. And I remember like we had to get by with, with certain things. But I remember one time we, we tried to get my mom to quit smoking. We made her put a dollar in a jar every time she smoked a cigarette. And we bought a Nintendo 64 and um, Diddy Kong Racing. And like, I don't, I don't remember how long it was. It seemed like a week, but it had to have been longer than that because my mom would be dead if she smoked that much in a week. But um, I remember <laughs> like we bought it and then we were like, all right, like what next? We put out the jar. My mom was like, I'm not doing that again. Like, uh, just little weird things like that um you know uh my brother saved up and bought an n64 i remember that he worked as like a dishwasher at the local diner and saved forever and bought an n64 and uh we played a lot on that but um oh, the n64 is a great i won't forget that i kind of did the same thing it was my senior year of high school though and i was working in for for a 17 year old i made okay money you know especially in 1999 and i made enough money one paycheck to get a nintendo 64 and i spent the whole paycheck on when i came home and i was sitting there playing it my mom came home 
She's like, where the hell did that come from? I'm like, well, I bought it. <laughs> you should have bought yourself some pants or clothes or something like that. How dare you buy this? And then like a half hour later, she's sitting down with me playing Goldeneye. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so the yeah. like totally. Yeah. I, I think the dirtiest thing we ever did was when um, Grand Theft Auto Vice City came out. Me and my brother desperately wanted it. And um, we took advantage of my sister and we told my she's in the middle i'm the youngest my brother's the oldest my sister the the poor girl is in the middle and we convinced my mom that my sister wanted a playstation 2 with grand theft auto and my mom bought a system and the game for my sister she opened it and was like what is this and of course my brother and i instantly like grab it and hook it up and i think my mom suddenly realized like that was not for her. Like they tricked, that, they tricked me into buying something for them. But what is this like? <laughs> super violent. It, like first off, the, the name's Grand Theft Auto. So obviously, are you still in cars? But then she sees like, holy crap, prostitutes, drugs, this and that, murdering random pedestrians. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, and I, I think after that, I know we we still have here at the house. I have um, the fat PS3. It's still running. I use it for Blu-ray. Oh, not see. I want one of those so bad, like the original launch PS3. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, like I said, you you you've called it out. I'm a big retro collector, so like I I probably have like 42, 45 different consoles in my collection. Repeat to some as well, but like so I try to get every different model variation. You know. Things like that. Uh, I gotta watch what I do, or else I'm gonna get kicked out of the house. You know, <laughs> but um, yeah, I uh, I don't have that first model of PS3, and I want it so bad because they're hard to find. They're getting a little more expensive, and if you find the right model, you know the the I think it's a 60 gig with a four USB port in front. You know, it plays PS2 games and PS1 games, so it's like three way backwards compatible. Yeah, it's actually I think yeah, it's it's my wife's. She got it. Um... I mean, when they when they first came out and I div- have probably played maybe a handful of games on there. I, I think I bought NBA Jam. I bought the Ghostbusters game when it came out and which is a great game, dude. Yeah, I never opened the Ghostbusters game. It's still in a shrink wrap. <laughs> I love Ghostbusters. The game looked awesome, but I was a little intimidated because there's a certain like if you don't keep up with gaming, there's a right. there's an edge and it's like if you stop for like a year i feel like you're you're obsolete. you're behind yeah. well, five minutes you know that that's the thing of like and uh, i'm so bad about it because like i will go out and i'll buy a game day one because like i don't want to be behind i got to get it just in case everybody's playing it and then next thing you know it's over and done you know and then sometimes i buy a 60 dollar game you know because they're not cheap anymore mm-hmm. and next thing i, I mean like i just bought that monster hunter rice switch and it's selling really well but I'm not a Monster Hunter fan, but I thought I'd pick it up and finally give it a try. And my take on it is exactly the same as it has been for any other Monster Hunter game. I just can't get into it, you know. So yeah. I bought a $60 game. I played it once or twice. And now it's going to just sit on my shelf with my Switch collection collecting dust. I did. Yeah, I, I last time we visited my brother in, in Minnesota, he had the Mario Kart on the Switch. And we played. I played with my nephews, and they were like whooping my ass and they're little and i'm like man i am so old this is so embarrassing i used to be awesome at mario kart on n64 i could leave everybody in the dust and now i'm like the reflexes are better than us now because they're born with these faster paced games than what you know we had growing up they were a little bit slower just about finding certain patterns but like if you try to pick up i'm not a call of duty fan at all you know i don't play those i i like halo and stuff and some first person shooters but I don't get in the COD bandwagon, you know, it's just like, it's it's a money grab. They come out with a new game every six months, it feels like, you know, but 
these kids are bad ass at it because that's they start at five years old and it's so fast paced they just know they have the reflexes to it that older people like myself you know just turned 40 yesterday i can't keep up with these guys and like i'll just get murked really quick you know i I think it's also sort of just like if you just in general don't don't game like the controls have gotten a lot more complicated obviously every system but it's like if I were to, I've watched my friends play, um, you know, the Call of Duty stuff or God of War or uh, Assassin's Creed, all that stuff. And like, you know, hey, you want to try? And I pick up the controller and it's so intimidating. I'm like, oh, I'm I'm very old and I have no idea what I'm doing. I, I should definitely not do this. And that's it's, it's why so I scary. play retro games, because I get to play with those old game controllers, old controls, and they hold up so like Super Nintendo games. They hold up phenomenally in this day and age of gaming so much that, like, games have reverted back to that style of gameplay, you know? And that's why I'm a hardcore tin fan, too, because they're always, their games they bring out, you know, they, they try to keep it as simple so anyone and everyone can pick it up and play it, which is a good motto, I think, is that you want to be able to sell units at the same time, you know? But yeah, the other games, like, I mean, I, I play, you know, newer games on PS4, Xbox, whatever, but yeah, some games, the controllers are like too damn much. I get it. Well, it's like, I sort of explain it and then it makes me sound really old, but I've, I've used this analogy before where I'm like, if you hand me a basketball, I can dribble it down a court and shoot it and I can, I can make a basket. But if you hand me a controller and like the new NBA uh, 2k or whatever, like I probably cannot shoot a basket on there. And oh, to me, it's like, it, it, why, I can't either. The, dude. The, the, yeah. the game's harder than real life. Like why is and, it? It's not fun anymore for me. And it isn't. You're right. That's how I feel. Because, like, I mean, I used to play some of the Madden games, and I can still play some Madden, but there's so many different things you can do that if you go try to go online and play, yeah, you're going to get smoked. But I'm more on the level, just like you said, you're NBA Jam, right? You mm-hmm. bought that for yes, the PS3. and that's a blast. Yeah, and that's, I mean, th- those arcade sports games that are simple, shoot, pass, steal, whatever, tackle, if it's football, you know, simple, fun controls, and they're good party games, and that's, I, I'm all about that, I'm all about getting people together, it's like here in Kansas City, one of the things that I was doing a lot before the pandemic really came into full force was, uh, I had a thing called Scary Gary Super Switch Meetups, I gotta make it a long name, Nintendo loves to bring out games, right, <laughs> and it's like, new Super Mario Deluxe, you fantastic switch version you know it's like <laughs> too damn long so um that's why i made my meetups called you know scary gary super switch meetups and you know i would try any t- chance i got just to organize a day where like a bunch of people could get, could get get together with their switches a lot of times i would do it at like Screenland or tap cave when it was still open rest in peace um and do it on you know i set up a switch on the big theater we could play like smash or mario kart simple games but just yeah getting people together the couch co-op fun party just having a good time and mingling and yeah that's 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 one thing i love about nintendo right there a lot of good couch co-op fun party games just like those arcade arcade sports games we're talking about absolutely so that sort of um naturally leads me into what we're going to talk about tonight and um, if you've read the subject of the, the podcast, it's not a secret, but we are going to talk about the new Mortal Kombat. Yes, finish him. <laughs> First learned about this seven years ago on a mission in Brazil to capture a wanted fugitive. When we got there, it tore through our unit in seconds. The target had superhuman abilities. It had the same marking you do, Cole. It's a birthmark. 
What do you mean? He was born with it. It's not a birthmark, Cole. It means you've been chosen. Throughout history, different cultures all over the world reference a great tournament of champions. That dragon marking? I think it's an invitation to fight for something known. Mortal Kombat. These are your champions. I'm Sonya. That's Kano. I'm Liu Kang. Name's Jax. Kung La. Lord Raiden. The fate of Earth is in our hands. No matter how many of my people you put in the ground. We will not fail. Kill them. fucking beauty okay mortal kombat was just released april 23rd just about a week ago on hbo max and in theaters uh this is obviously a first time watch for both of us um i want to know right out of the gate uh i know this was a highly highly anticipated movie for you um damn right it was did it did it live up to your expectations yes and no it pretty much is what i thought it would be um, I don't hate the movie at all. Don't get me wrong. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna have some negative feedback, but I have a lot of positives as well. But, uh, first of all, that trailer, you just, you know, you just played the red band trailer when it finally dropped because the Mortal Kombat community was waiting for so long just to get a fucking trailer and nothing was happening. Like this movie, I believe was supposed to come out last year. Right. And obviously due to the pandemic it got pushbacks, like every other movie, you know, big movie that's supposed to drop last year kept getting pushed back. And I think they had some reshoots to do too. So that, you know, messed everything up. And we're just sitting there waiting like, okay, supposedly it's just getting announced. It's going to come to HBO Max in April. Where's the trailer? We don't even have a fucking trailer trailer yet. And this is like December Mm -hmm. and going by. And we don't even get a trailer to what, February, I think it was? Yeah, a few months before the movie premiered. It was like, it's something going on. And they they sort of did the same thing with... Uh, Godzilla vs. Kong, and I don't know if that's like a new strategy because they feel uh, like it has to be, dude. Yeah. It's like you know, like uh, b- bringing their movies straight to the the HBO Max format, you know, same day as it in theaters. They probably don't want you know try and get everybody hyped that way they can get the subscription and blah blah blah. You know, watch the movie. They don't want to overshow too much, even though more trailers of both movies are dropping, you know, closer and closer towards the movie that I had to quit watching it because I, I don't, you know, I don't want to get spoiled, you know? But, like I said, back in February, that Red Band trailer dropped. And my expectations of a Mortal Kombat movie 
were up and down because it had several. Like I think at one time James Wan was supposed to direct it, and he bailed mm-hmm. out too. And then uh, I can't remember the guy who did it, directed it. Now I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But um, I'm like, okay, I, I don't know how how is this going to play out. You know, the, this this movie's been in development hell for so many years, and now it's just getting not rushed out because it was done, but the reshoots and everything. Like it's probably not going to be good. And uh, any video game movie, you don't go into with any high expectations, anyways. You know that they're just you know known for not being very good. But um, that trailer dropped. And my expectations completely changed. I was so freaking pumped. Like, okay, yeah, backtrack just a little bit. I read the synopsis, and it was like, MMA cage fighter has some strange birthmark that looks like a dragon, discovers that he's part of a a tournament that goes back centuries, yada, yada, yada. I'm like, okay, because obviously the character Cole Young is created for the movie. And I'm like, really? This is how they're going to bring fucking Mortal Kombat in? Just stick with the same, the basic formula, you know? I mean... That you can go, with, you know, the fighters got to go fight in a tournament to save the world, yada yada yada. So I was, I had no ex- good expectations of it. Then that trailer dropped, and I'm like, oh my fucking god! And when the fatalities happen in the end of that trailer, I'm like, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's gonna be a graphic, brutal, badass movie. Kano obviously stole that trailer in the end, and he stole the whole show for sure. Absolutely, yeah. So yeah, I mean, so. My my thoughts on it, it was good, but it, it, it's what I thought it was going to be. I have a lot of uh, things I thought, oh, I kind of wish they would have done differently, but I think they were just trying to r- rush it through because it's, what, an hour and 50-minute runtime, and they probably would have had to go two and a half hours to make it fit all the backstory they really wanted to do. Right. Like, I, I feel like this is such a nostalgic um, franchise for people because, you know, especially people around our age, um, you know, the games were wildly popular in the 90s. I remember playing the first one on Sega with my friend in his basement, um, but I don't have nearly the attachment to it that you do. I I think I played that and maybe the sequels. I'm thinking into Super Nintendo, and that's about as far as I went. But I, I right. do the later ones have more of a story to them? Well, so, I mean, the, all the stories still kind of go together pretty well. They did a really good job of trying to make it all fit together some way. I mean, Ed Boon and, uh, well, I mean, John Tobias, who when he was a part of it, though he eventually left, you know, they did a good job of keep the, the story is what it is and that each one more come at one, two to three, just they, they followed each other. And then even in four, they kind of had to change it up a little bit, but they kind of do the Saw thing, you know, like, you know, and in in Saw, how they, you know, spoiler alert if you guys have never seen the Saw series, sorry. <laughs> but uh, how they have to backtrack every time, and it's like, oh, wait, this has been going on like this the whole time, yada, right. yada, yada. They kind of do some of that in some of the Mortal Kombat stuff. Like, there's a character, Quan Chi, who was, comes out, turns out to be like he's there the whole time or something like that, you know, but he wasn't introduced to like Mortal Kombat 4. And then they introduce new characters here and there, but for some reason they have some crazy backstory, you know, like, and. The and Mortal, what's labeled Mortal Kombat Five, it's Mortal Kombat Deadly Alliance. You, you're introduced to a character, uh, Bo Raicho, who is like the master of the Drunken Fist and everything. But he's like Kung Lao and Liu Kang's mentor. In fact, he was dropped in by name by Liu Kang in the movie. But if you don't know the series, you're not going to know who the hell he's talking about when he says Bo Raicho, you know. But uh, they they just try to make it all fit together like that. And then of course, the game came to an end when they did Mortal Kombat Armageddon which was like Mortal Kombat mm, 7, and it was just like every character ever created in Mortal Kombat is going to be in this game, and it's like the end of times, you know, Armageddon's happening. And it's also kind of a 
one of the worst Mortal Kombat's. It's fun. It's cool playing with all the characters, but like it didn't have it had like a system called Creative Fatality where each character didn't have their own fatality. You just had to like kind of button mash just to kind of rip your opponent rip your opponent apart, you know. So whatever. It was cool. And then they took that little break and then Mortal Kombat versus DC came out. And it was like, oh what? A Mortal Kombat versus game? And it was everybody was hyped for it. like, oh look at that Sub Zero fighting Batman. This is this gonna work? And then it was rated T. So it was like yeah. not even a mature game. You know, so it kind of fell off, kind of took a break, and then they rebooted the franchise with it's called Mortal Kombat 9, but the game is just called Mortal Kombat. It was it was on 360 and PS3. And they brought they went right back to its roots. You know, they kind of stuck with the story, they revamped the story a little bit, but the same basics of the story are there. So the story that they talk about in this movie are really fitting towards what goes on in the video game. So it's it's kind of on on point. It's just they kind of like go all over the place with it at the same time. Right. Well, like I said, my my history is very limited. And I remember most of mine was like button mashing until I got a little bit like older into the sequels. And then it was like I, I just wanted to learn those fatalities. There was uh like babalities. There was the friendship. Um you know, yeah, all, they, all that they, they had to outdo themselves every series. No Mortal Kombat only each character had the first Mortal Kombat game. Each character had one fatality, and then the, there was the pit fatality. You know, yeah, which was kind of like a freebie if you just uppercutted them. And then Mortal Kombat Two came out. They're like, well, we're going to have to double down and do better. Each character got two fatalities, a friendship, and a babality, and there were like three stage fatalities throughout the whole game. And some characters had a third hidden fatality as well. And then they had to do the same thing with Mortal Kombat Three. And then they kind of slowed down a little bit more come at four, giving everybody because that, that was the first jump into the 3D world. They went from that whole um, like side, digitized yeah. actors, you know, to like, OK, we got to get on this 3D bandwagon like everyone else. So everybody kind of just had like two fatalities and some of them are just like god awful. Like, really? I mean, you just tell you're just really trying. Plus, that was the last Mortal Kombat game to to make it to the arcades as well from then on out like when mortal kombat 5 came out deadly alliance it was straight to the home consoles on playstation 2 xbox and a uh, gamecube so from then on yeah it was just straight to your living room you know well yeah i mean uh video like you said you mentioned it earlier like movies based on video games don't have a great track record i think it's not necessarily I, I think filmmakers just sort of have their back against the wall when they're making one because it's it's a very hard feat. You're you're trying to base a story on a a world that people are very invested in where they go and they spend hours. I mean, everybody sort of has their own interpretation. But this one for me is like the opposite way where it's like it started as it's so simple. I mean, it was just pure violence for kids it was awesome like when i was in you know elementary middle school playing this like right. it felt so rebellious like going to my friend's house and you know we would practice the fatalities and then we would fight and it's like if you knew if you if you pull off a, a fatality in front of a group of people you were the shit like that was the cool right exactly if you knew those off the top of your head it could pull them out um nothing was cooler and like i said nothing felt more rebellious than like heavy metal music um and Mortal Kombat, like, and, and other violent video games, but this was, like, the OG violent video game. It, 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 you know, Ed Boon says it himself, you know, he feels Mortal Kombat probably wouldn't have been as successful if it wasn't for the fatalities. Oh, no. In reality, the reason why, because, you know, I remember being in sixth grade, and Mortal Kombat was out in the arcade, and I hadn't yet to play it, but people were talking about it, and they're like, there's this game called Mortal Kombat, you know, it's, it's like Street Fighter, but 
you can you can kill your opponent. Like there's this character Sub Zero, and he rips the guy's head off. He can rip his head off, and he's got the spine hanging out. And I remember, in obviously this is pre-internet day, so you can't just go looking things up. So I'm trying to find any video game magazine to find pictures I can of it. I'd go to the local Quick Trip that was up the street from my house. I don't have any money, but I'm just looking at whatever magazines they have. They're just going through them all, you know. And so if I could find a picture, and then I found it, I was like, holy crap, this is the fighting game I've always wanted, you know. And then I, I never got to play it. Until it finally came home to home consoles, Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis, I had the Super Nintendo version. I didn't even have it. I played at one of my best friends' house at the time, and you know he's a Nintendo person like myself. But the, even the Super Nintendo version, I so it has no blood. There's no blood code to it at all. Just like the Sega Genesis version, there is, you know. Mm-hmm. But this one is just straight fighting Mortal Kombat, and they had some fatalities, but they were very, very weak. Minus like Scorpion's being the the legit one where he takes his mask off and he tortures you to a skeleton, you know. But we played this game nonstop all goddamn day. It was great. It was so fun. So I feel like I fell in love with the game for what it really was, a good fighting game and the, with the whole realistic look. But we try any chance we got, we'd go to the local movie gallery and we'd rent a Sega Genesis for the weekend and a copy of Mortal Kombat on Sega Genesis. Type in that blood code, baby, A-B-A-C-A-B-B, and then play like a dumbed down version of mortal Kombat, from what it is with the arcade but it had all the blood all the fatalities and oh we fell in love and then they dropped mortal Kombat 2 and as soon as it came home any chance we go we go to the bowling alley we play it on the bowling alley i'm I'm not the best arcade gamer you know i do my best to do it with the fight stick and the buttons but give me that d-pad in hand when it came home and nintendo announced that mortal Kombat 2 is going to be completely just like the arcade full gore it's going to be the first like Rated M for mature. It it didn't even say M for mature on it. It just said, you know, 17 or older to buy on Mm -hmm. the box. But uh, it was going to be every bit of the arcade game and no code to put into play. It's just completely unlocked. My friend Mark, the guy I was talking about earlier, he got it for his birthday. And I ran right over his house after school because he stayed home from school that day on his birthday was playing (laughs) it. And we played that game probably for 15 straight hours, just nonstop, him and I. I mean, this is back in the day, too, you know, blisters on your thumbs, but you don't give a damn. You're still right. going at it. Yep. Uh, and and when I finally got my copy, just like you were saying, you wanted to learn the fatalities, I would sit there and play by myself, two-player, nobody else was playing, just so I could teach myself the fatalities. And I still, you know, when you program yourself to remember phone numbers in the phone, right. and you can't remember off the top of your head, but you can push it on the buttons... That's, I mean, that's how I am in Mortal Kombat 2. I can just, as soon as I get that controller in my hand, it's just like instant familiarization. And I'm like just tearing down my most favorite Mortal Kombat game of all time right there. Was the the uh, Super Nintendo one where you could like uppercut someone in the subway and you'd end up on the street like in a different level? Yeah, that's Mortal Kombat 3. That's They, they upped uh, the stage fatality stuff in MK3. I mean, MK3 is a gorgeous game, especially in the arcade. But they added this new feature to where, like, yeah, if you uppercut them, they, you'll you'll jump screen. So, like, yeah, you start off in the subway, uppercut them, then you're in the streets or whatever, you know. Yeah. But that subway was also a stage fatality. So if yep. you never uppercutted them and stayed in the subway the whole time, you can uh, perform a stage fatality. In which case, after Mortal Kombat 2, stage fatalities were no more just uppercutting your opponent. And it happened and you actually had a program, you know, type in a, a certain button combination to do it. And it was different for each character, you know. So it became intuitive. Like you were talking about, like with controllers later on, each character you had to learn so many different things that I mean, I can't remember all of it anymore. You know, it's like I just I'll lay them out in front of me and remember. Like now, you kind of can like put paste them up, like in the newest game, Mortal Kombat 11, kind of paste them up underneath your character's name so you kind of can remember. But yeah, I mean, Mortal Kombat 3 was great. I, that 
subway level and i think there's a few more like a bell tower where you fell on a uh, spikes and then the pit three was in that and they had like blades just a spinning away and you just get sawed all up they, they had to outdo itself but mortal kombat 3 was kind of a little more cartoon cartoony than two though like if you remember the fatalities were more like like kung guao instead of slicing you in half and making it look real he would throw his hat and it would cut you into like fours but you were like chunked out just like your head would get cut off and then you go down to your torso and they would just evenly cut you right there but your arms would still just be hanging there in the middle of the air you know so it's yeah. like if you drew a line four lines for someone and separated that yeah but they they did that on purpose like well we're gonna make it cartoony and fun now but you know over the top more like uh itchy and scratchy type violence yeah exactly exactly yeah that's the one i the reason i remember that is because i remember my mom got me that on um super nintendo for my birthday one year and that was very exciting because my mom was very cool with like, let me watch R rated movies and playing stuff. But um, same here. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I remember when playing the first one on Sega, um, you're talking about getting blisters and stuff. Like we had this thing where we would put the, when you had to break the, I think you had to break like wood and then ice and then, like oh, uh, test your might in the original Mortal Kombat yeah, game. Yeah, yeah we would put the, the remote or the controller under our shirts because we'd get such bad blisters on our hands, and you just button mash. So we'd put them under our shirts and use our shirts as like a buffer. All, all the the hacks we did as kids, right there. You know, it's like, <laughs> and this is not Mortal Kombat related, but in Mario Party on Nintendo sixty four, there's a game where you had to like, you would have hold your hand on that thumbstick, you know, and just like go in a circle pattern so bad that kids hands were blistering out that you know they would have to wear like weight gloves weightlifting gloves or whatever it got so bad when <laughs> nintendo had to start sending out gloves to people if you bought the game because people were going to try to sue nintendo and they were like okay if you buy this mario party game send in this proof of purchase we'll send you a special edition like glove for your kid's hand because if not they're gonna get these blisters and you're gonna try and sue us <laughs> gosh that's crazy i i yeah. i remember and this is again completely unrelated but there was like um nc or wcw versus nwo video game on n64 we played all the time and there was like a favorite wrestling game there was a cheat wasn't there where you could use the joystick on the n64 remote and get out of any like submission and it was or you could and you could go out and pick up chairs and stuff out of the crowd and everybody like when we'd sit down to play we'd have the whole neighborhood and we'd do tournaments and it'd be like okay no using the joystick for submissions and no getting like chairs or take like no chairs no call you could i think you could call someone from the back too and it was like that was all it's sort of like the the uh you know odd job thing in uh golden eye it was like just cheating everybody a gentleman agreement don't do that right yeah just don't do that don't 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 select odd job you know come on now or yeah but don't don't call people in back and kick my ass now that you can do that when you grab a controller and do yeah i get it totally but it's those things you could do back in the day and just like screen cheating or whatnot (laughs) well this this mortal kombat has had two film adaptations before uh uh, had mortal kombat 95 and then annihilation in 97 and then there's been somewhat animated uh series of movies before the film the original one in 1995 dropped there's actually a very horrible version it's called mortal kombat the animated movie and it has like some weird 3d rendered characters fighting when they do the fight scenes and or they'll run they try to get the story set up for them like a movie or whatnot but it's just it's just kind of bad to watch but then they made the you know mortal kombat and mortal kombat annihilation and then I think later on there was a Mortal Kombat. Oh, I know there was for a fact a series later on, Mortal Kombat Conquest, a television series, and it was pretty much hot garbage too. Um, and then later on, you know, somebody dropped a trailer on YouTube 
for what Mortal Kombat could be in a in a movie. And it's I mean, honestly, if you haven't watched it, watch the uh, Mortal Kombat fan made film on YouTube. It's it's freaking phenomenal. It's it's actually got God damn it, what is his name? The play Spawn and shit. Not not the animated Spawn, but I know. Yeah, he plays uh um black dynamite as well yeah i know who you're talking yeah, about yeah yeah I, I can't even think of the name off the top of my head but uh he plays jacks in the in that or in that you know fan-made movie and it's more of a realistic take as to what mortal kombat could be and like i said it's a good watch watch it but that got everybody hyped because that's when wb picked up the rights to mortal kombat and they're like dude make this shit that that's what we want in a mortal kombat movie something like that even if it doesn't follow the whole storyline perfect this is awesome it's graphic it's great you know and then shortly after that WB dropped Mortal Kombat Legacy, which was like a web series on YouTube. It was released on Machinima, and uh, it was like 10-part episodes. They were like 10, 15 minutes long each or something. Some were 20, and they kind of fit together to make a movie because I you they released them on Blu-ray later on. They did Legacy and then eventually Legacy 2, and Legacy 2 kind of just revamps the first Legacy one, so it was kind of like, uh, But um, they're fun to watch, you know? And then later on, you know, they they dropped, which they here recently dropped, which was the animated movie you're referring to, Mortal Kombat Legends, and it's Scorpion Story. And it is probably one of the best, if not the best, Mortal Kombat movies I've ever watched. It's graphic, an R-rated animated movie, and it does fan service really well, and it follows the stories really well, and it does Scorpion's backstory phenomenally leading into the tournament. It's, it's, It's a really good watch. Definitely check it out. I think I have, I mean, I've seen the, the YouTube video reference that got everybody hyped, and um, for some reason I was thinking or hoping, you know, that was sort of like what they were going for. I didn't realize that they actually went ahead and did a series on that, but um, the the 95 movie, the original, I, I remember seeing um, back then, and I haven't seen it since, and I don't think I ever saw Annihilation, um, but I, I just, everybody knows the sort of uh like almost uh techno theme from it um right the screaming and techno and then you know it obviously had get you pumped jacked right out the gate like let's go (laughs) right and and it seems like a lot of people really hold some nostalgia to that movie um i've noticed since this one's coming out I, i once again anytime something new comes out um you have people who haven't really played a game in 20 years and they're claiming you know mortal kombat's my favorite man it was you know and and it's like I, I sit back and I'm like, man, I know people like like Gary who's, you know, been playing them all along and, and you sort of live that life. And it's like, you know, I, I not that I'm hating on those people, but it's like I'm not going to pretend that this is a huge part of my childhood. I, I love the games when no, I was exactly. really little, but um, I didn't follow through with them. And I, I can't say I remember much other than the theme uh, from the 95 movie. And like I said, I don't think I've seen Annihilation, but um, are those movies worth checking out? Well, definitely. the. I mean. The original Mortal Kombat is one of the best video game movies ever made, you know, so it does fan service really well. They changed, the, you know, not really changed, but just kind of the way they added certain things in, tried and blend in the original Mortal Kombat and then a little bit of Mortal Kombat 2 in, into the mix. But, um, I mean, no, it is. The first one in 95 is phenomenal. Annihilation, it's the movie you watch when you want to roast a fucking movie. You know, I, I mean, yeah. like we've literally done live roasts of this movie, you know, at uh, Screenland Armor or Tapcade or something like that, just playing it and just have people talking over it, roasting it just because it is hot garbage. I mean, it, it could have been good maybe, you know, but it's just there are so many fucking flips, so many kicks. I mean, just 
random, like for no reason at all. Like, why did you just jump in the air and do 30 flips for no fucking reason? You know, it's it's fun to watch. Definitely watch it for a good laugh, you know. But I mean, as into quality, horrible. And, and the graphics are, uh, you know, uh, a sign of the age, too. I mean, because they, they introduced animalities into this movie. Yeah. And whenever you do, Liu Kang finally does his animality in the movie spoiler if you haven't seen it i'm so sorry guys geez but if you haven't seen uh, annihilation by this point in time shame on you but uh luke king does his animality and he turns into this big ass dragon but it is the worst computer animated dragon you will ever see in your life and then shao khan turns into his animality which is some weird five-headed fucking worm you'll laugh your ass off it's like windows 94 graphic arts class introduction shit yeah yeah it's that era where like the mummy movies the scorpion king that shit was really bad uh it's like the worst era for graphics scorpion king looked amazing in comparison to these (laughs) i'll tell you what the rock looked like the rock in comparison to what these guys look like Oh, that's bad. Um, yeah, I I think that's what I was sort of asking because it's like people have sometimes have the nostalgia blinders on where they remember something being better than it was, and it's it's good to hear that you can recognize that Annihilation wasn't you know all that great because I feel like some people you know they they saw it when they were a kid it, it was probably awesome when they were a kid and they haven't seen it in in since ninety seven. In their mind, it's just as cool as it was when they were kids, you know? And it's like, right. and they want to crap on the new thing. And it's like, it's not as good as the old one. It's like, are you kidding? Like, this is pretty damn cool. Right. And, and, that, and this new movie right here, even if you aren't someone like me or like, and I, there are people like me that are like 10 times more, you know, um, fanatical about this series than I am. Like, I mean, I own every single game and I like on the original series, the original trilogy or whatever, I own it for damn near every game console there is. So Super Nintendo, Game Boy, Genesis, Sega, Saturn, or, you know, Sega CD, any, any version you can find of the game, I, I own them. That's how phenom- fanatical I am. But there are people way worse than me. But this new movie, you don't have to be a hardcore fan. You can just know the basics of Mortal Kombat and know that, okay, it's a fighting fighting game so they're going, they're going to be ninjas fighting and people are going to get killed and they deliver in this movie for that right there you get your graphic fatalities that you know they didn't give us in 1995 with the original one because they wanted to make it pg-13 so all the teenagers can go see it on date night because in reality in 95 everyone who was talking about mortal Kombat were the kids you know right so they that they, they knew that was going to be the ticket sales so for what it was worth a pg-13 movie they did okay but this one, you know, obviously delivers on the graphic side. Anyone who can cut someone and then freeze their blood and stab them with it, you know, any movie where you get that, uh, A plus in my book. Well, let's take a quick break to hear from the podcast network, and then we're going to deep uh, dive into the new movie. So um, we'll be right back. <laughs> You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. Okay, so we're back, and 
just the basic premise of this this new Mortal Kombat movie, like you, you mentioned a little bit earlier, there's an MMA fighter named Cole. I was sort of confused right off the bat because I'm like, I, I everybody was. I, I've played the, I, I've like, I'm, I played the games. I know the the very basic characters. Um, I could recognize them, but I was like, did I miss someone in the later movies? And then I, you know, read up after I watched it that he, I guess they needed like someone sort of human to to ground the movie or maybe they're trying to sort of play on the popularity of mma right now but i was just really confused i yeah i i was like who the fuck is this cool young guy why are they trying to introduce a new character and where the hell is fucking johnny cage at you know what i mean is he trying to replace johnny cage was my question right because johnny cage wasn't in the movie and and we saw that based upon the casting you know on off the imdb or i have the whatever it is you know mm-hmm. and all the um, uh trailers and everything and then the synopsis itself you know is labeling cole young as the this main character and i'm like who is this guy not a lot of us in the community the mk community were thinking okay this is going to be uh mortal kombat's next cash grab for the newest game mortal kombat 11 because they do a lot of paid dlc for the game and He's going to be like one of the new characters they're going to release in a new combat pack to add a new character to the to the game or whatnot. And they're going to introduce him to in this movie right here. But, you know, that is yet to happen. So we're like, what the hell is with this? But it all fits together later on in the movie, even though he's a new character in the series, yada, yada, yada. It, 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 it works for what it's worth, I guess, to kind of help do what they were going for. Yeah, because he, we, we, I mean, there is actually a really, the, the first opening minutes aren't with him. It's actually really badass. It's in, uh, back in time. We sort of get our intro into these characters set in a really cool setting. Like, a dude's out basically farming, and um, he gets attacked. His family gets attacked. They leave the baby. A dude? You're talking about Hanzo Hasashi, motherfucking Scorpion, bro. Come on. Right. Man, don't I, call him the dude. But, but right right away, I mean, if you're a fan, you recognize who it is, but they try, I get what you're saying. They, they yeah. try to play around, like, who are these mysterious guys? Because he's not quite Scorpion yet, and he's not right. quite Sub-Zero yet. But if you're a fan, you recognize he's using a garden tool as the uh, get over here thing. That's pretty badass. Uh, mm-hmm. I but, forget what that's actually called, but yeah, it's it's a gardening tool. And then he turns it into his like basic his spear thing. Right. And it, it, I thought it was really cool. Like those opening minutes gave me a lot of hopes for this movie. Like it, it oh. opened up really badass. Right. Exactly. And, it, you know, I don't know why. And I didn't watch it, of course, but. Like a week before the movie release, and originally, you know, this movie was supposed to come out on like the 16th or whatever, and then they pushed it back to the 23rd, which led to my theory on like, okay, they're going to drop DLC for the new game, and they're trying to use the release date in this at the same time to announce it. Uh-huh. But um, they decided to release that opening scene right. early out, the like first seven minutes, it. yeah. And I'm like, why? And I don't know why people do that. Or, or like, you're like, hey, watch the first 15 minutes of this movie right here. I'm like, no, wait till you go see the movie. Right. Don't just try to build up this hype. It's like, why are you doing that? But they did that with this movie. I'm like, I'm not watching this. You know, and I, I realized it was going to be the intro to the movie or it was going to be the more the scorpion scene and the basic backstory on how uh, Bihan killed, you know, Scorpion's family, Bihan being Sub-Zero. But he's, you know, part of the Lin Kuei uh, ninja clan, which... If you don't know the Lin Kuei and the Shira Ryu, Scorpion's clan and Sub Zero's clan, they hate each other, and that was going to be the setup for that, like to show their rivalry right there. And I was really stoked on that. And that opening, yeah, you're right. That first seven minutes, the opening scene, what it's just it's awesome, and it gave so much potential as to what this movie had in store for you. Well, I mean, just like the last minute of um, what you said is exactly why I have you as a guest on here because I'm like. 
I need someone who who knows their shit, and I just wanted to sort of stop and say thank you for that. But um, yeah, <laughs> no it, and then and then we sort of flash forward to modern times, and we see this Cole character. He's in a he's getting paid to basically get his ass beat. He's he's a washed up MMA fighter that used to be a champ. Now he's a chump. Um, he's sort of the gatekeeper they use to build up new stars. But uh, after he almost wins a fight. Uh, but gets it gets reversed and gets his ass beat. Um, J- this character and and right away, if you're a fan again, you recognize this is Jax. But he approaches him and asks him about his birthmark, which he thinks is just a birthmark, but it turns out is a mark. And he saves him and his his family um, from who's coming down to take them. Sub Zero, and so Sub Zero is our main villain in this movie. Um, I would say Sub Zero and Scorpion are like the two most um, infamous characters from this franchise, right? I, I, they are the face of the franchise. I mean, if, if Scorpion is at which, if you look at most of the collector's editions of the video games, it's always like a Scorpion bus or Scorpion like statue or something like that, or or, or it's going to be a Scorpion Sub Zero combination. You know, they are the face of the franchise. Fire and ice. You know, they that's the yin, they have made the franchise what it yeah. is. Yin and Yang, exactly. But it works better. Fire and ice because you know Scorpion's fire and uh, Sub Zero's ice. Yeah, and um. It goes really quick from here. It's like he he saves their family. Um, he has no idea what the fuck's going on. Uh, Cole doesn't, and you know they. Jack tells him, you know, you got to find this woman, Sonya. She knows everything, and basically, Sonya is like the all-knowing um, conspiracy theorist person who sort of figures out this whole story, and she sort of gives it to us all in one quick like scene. She's like, okay, um, all these people on Earth realm are picked for the this whole tournament. cliche wall pinned oh, yeah, wall yeah. scene or whatever you yeah. know every, every piece of paper everywhere like what the hell come on hollywood <laughs> yeah and and uh she even or, or cole even points out like why is it spelled mortal combat with a k and it's like that's the question you have right now uh, right. but that, that was funny as oh, hell yeah that, yeah those little hidden things like that that they try to do in the movie oh, funny as hell i loved it yeah yeah so uh basically the story is that sub-zero is coming down to there's a um a realm and they're going to come out and, and basically challenge the earth realm um, fighters. So it's like supposed to be like a big tournament. And um, they, they basically hide out at Raiden's like, what is it? Realm cave something. Right. So, so the base, here we go. Um, you know, for those that don't know the actual, and they explain this in the movie, you know, Mortal Kombat has been going on for centuries. And in order for the, the outworld realm, which is the realm that like, Shang Tsung, Shao Kahn, all the baddies are from in the Mortal Kombat universe. In order for them to invade the Earth realm, which is where Earth's champions live, of course, Sonya, in this movie, Jax, uh, Liu Kang, and all them, you know, in order for them to invade, they have to win 10 straight Mortal Kombats. And they're on, they've they've won nine straight, and they're scared that, you know, there's a new prophecy that's going to stop them. And that's, in this movie, who Cole Young is, in, in other Mortal Kombat movies, it's Liu Kang. He's the main, the the main hero. He's the, you know, the the prophecy to to save Earth Realm. Mm-hmm. But in this one, it's Cole Young for some fucking reason, and uh, Shang Tsung scared. You know, Shang Tsung. They they show him for a scene after that whole intro to Cole Young and this and that, and he's like talking to Sub Zero. Well, he calls him Behan, and Behan's like, "No, I'm Sub Zero," <laughs> and he's like. Well, I, I'm gonna send you to Earth, motherfucker. Go kill Earth's champions so they can't enter Mortal Kombat. Cause he, you know, Shang Tsung being a coward little bitch, he's a uh, scared. You know, we're gonna come kick his ass and stop them from invading Earth Realm. So that's why he sends Sub Zero right there to go take out the prophecy, Cole Young, 
which we don't know anything about him except for the fact that he has this weird dragon scar slash birthmark on him, you know? And yeah, like I said, Jack saves him and this and that, and it sets up that whole backstory there. And then, um, yeah, they escape. They go to that to Raiden's temple or whatever the hell it's called and begin their training to find their dumbest part of the whole movie, their anacondas or whatever the hell it is, the anacondas. Yeah, it made me think of uh, like Harry Potter, their um, Patronus, like everybody has a Patronus. Right. And, and they're and, trying and, to find their, their superpower, basically. And, and I get it to add that little element to this movie as to why certain characters can shoot fireballs or do that. But with what, what happens in this movie for a few characters when they find their inner powers, whatever, I'm like, are you fucking serious? Come the hell, come on guys. So like in that scene, we're talking about earlier with Sonya, right? And we get introduced to who is the star of the show. Kano, right? He's, you know, he's who, who tied up to a show. chair. Yeah. Yeah. He's tied up to the chair. Now the way they do his story there doesn't do it justice because in, in the, in the Mortal Kombat story, Kano and Sonya are lifelong rivals. You know, they, they hate each other. They're like Scorpion and Sub-Zero. Kano kills Sonya Blade's partner, and she's hunting them down for the rest of the time trying to kill his ass. You know, this one, yes, Kano's the, the leader of the Black Dragon, which is what he is. But, you know, she finds him because he killed some rando guy with a fucking dragon birthmark or whatever, <laughs> yeah. you know, that she was looking for. And he killed him, taking the fucking mark. So she's like, well, he's a murderer killer. We're going to keep him tied up, yada, yada, yada. But yet he ends up saving their ass as seen in, you know, that red band trailer, mm-hmm. you know, whenever he fights one of the uh, reptilian characters. And it, it isn't reptile, but the race that reptile reptile is, uh, it begins with an S. It's like a centillion or something like that. I'm I'm botching it. Sorry, MK fans out there everywhere. I'm sorry. I I take my MK card if you want, but um, <laughs> it's it's his race of characters. So the character isn't actually a reptile, but you know he's another person that Shang Tsung sent out since you know Sub Zero obviously didn't do his job originally. You know they Cole Young escapes yada yada yada, and uh, send somebody else in the Kano. They free his ass and he rips his fucking heart out. The first fatality we get to see in the movie, and it was like awesome. Yeah, I was I was curious about that too because I just sort of assumed that was reptile and I was like, well, that was a waste of a character. Like, you brought him in, he was in there, and and uh, not to like jump too far ahead, um, but we can sort of go all over. We don't need to follow the story linearly. But uh, I felt like um, Goro, who's like one of the big baddies that I was really looking forward to, he felt sort of wasted in this movie. Well, yeah, but th- that's the best part about the Mortal Kombat series because I felt the same way. You know, because he was he was the champion of Mortal Kombat. He was the one Shang Tsung used in the original, you know, Mortal Kombat video game as well as in the movie, the original 95 movie. But he was the one who was defeating all these fighters, winning Mortal Kombat for nine straight years. And, you know, if you made it past him, you had to fight Shang Tsung, you know, mm-hmm. and just, you know, just like going up the, the video game tower fighting. But, yeah, they brought him in. They it just it ended so crazily, you know, but I was like, oh, come on that. But nobody's ever dead in Mortal Kombat. As you can see, you know, we're jumping over, right. like we said. But, you know, they kind of take him off, yada, yada. And, and it, it, he's going to come back, I'm sure. Yeah, but, I would yeah. hope so. Because, I mean, he, he was he looked awesome. Um, he, you know, his his scene was awesome. But I I wanted him to, like, cause a little more carnage. Because, to me, he's, always, you know, as as someone who only played the first maybe three games, it was like, you know... Goro was his, like if you if you played the original game and and it was like always oh if you got to Goro that was always like you know the second obviously the second highest uh, character but it was like 
the next to you knew you had a hard fight ahead of you and you're right. almost done with the game yeah yeah and it was always intense when you made it to him but uh yeah i just felt like his scene was it was at abrupt for such a big character but then again like i like i said i don't envy any of these filmmakers because you're trying to squeeze you know 30 pounds of shit into a 10 pound bag it's like you have so That's many it, yeah. characters that you're in you in you can't introduce and and tell all their backstories you have to do you do have to rely on the audience to know a little bit about these stories and and i hear so many negative people saying you know oh they they didn't even have the tournament they're saving it for the sequel it's like how could they even fit that in this movie they exactly yeah, yeah. and they, they, because the movie really isn't even about the tournament it's just about shang Tsung sending out these random outworld fighters or some you know like like cabal he's actually from earth realm but uh sending these fighters out to go take out Earth's champions, you know, so he can win Mortal Kombat when the tournament starts, you know, so it isn't even about the tournament, really, you know, it's, it, it, there's even that cheesy line later on in the movie where Cole Young's like, they want a tournament, we'll give them a tournament, blah, 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 and we'll send you here, you go there, and I'll fight this, and you fight that, you know, but, but that, that was still pretty cool, though, after they went out to go fight the characters, but you're right, you can't cram all that into, you know, a hour and 50 minute movie, you know, you got to kind of pick and choose what you're going to do and you're not going to make everyone happy, you know, just, you have to go into it, just enjoying it for what it is, a fighting movie, some Mortal Kombat stuff in there, a Kung Fu movie with a Mortal Kombat skin, you know? Right. Well, we're so spoiled, you know, we have like the Marvel Cinematic Universe and people are patient with that, but they want everything crammed into one Mortal Kombat movie. It's like, guys, have some patience. Like if anything, I wish it would be more fleshed out, um, and show it, you know, slow down a little bit. Um, but then again, as someone who's not um, connected, like doesn't have a deep connection to this franchise, I, I just want, I, I went into this with very low expectations. I just wanted some violence and to be entertained. And I got both of those in um, boatloads. Like I, I was yeah. never bored. It was a lot of fun, uh, a lot of violence, some cool stuff. I mean, I saw a dude get sawed with a hat. I, I mean, I, I, the uh, Jack scene where he like gets his arms frozen and busted right. off was awesome. And that, that was great. I love how they, they managed to do that because obviously Jack's, you know, started off in the first in Mortal Kombat two with arms. And then later on Mortal Kombat three, the stories are so different as to how Jack's got cybernetically enhanced arms. So it doesn't matter how the hell they tackled it in this movie, because in Mortal Kombat three, he had his arms replaced with cyber enhanced arms. And then later on down the line, when they rebooted the, the, the game, Mortal Kombat 9, but it was just called Mortal Kombat, like I said earlier, that he actually got his arms ripped off by uh, Noob Saibot, I believe, or someone, what, yeah, I believe it's Noob Saibot, and um, then had to have him, you know, replaced with cybernetically enhanced arms. That's kind of cool because in this movie, Behind Sub Zero is the one who takes off his arms. Mm -hmm. And this character, Behind, eventually becomes Noob Saibot. So the Shadow Ninja in the Mortal Kombat games is this character right here behind. The Sub-Zero that we have in later games is his younger brother, uh, Lai Han, uh, fuck. It, Lee Han, oh, gosh damn it. I'm, I'm gonna mess it up, but it's, anyways, it's his younger brother. So they, and, uh, they combine the two into one for the, for the movie? Pretty much, and I, I kind of feel like, so, in one of the scenes where, you know, Scorpion's fighting Sub-Zero and he gets like some of his clothes ripped off, you know, it's just all black, I'm like, look, he's, he's prepping up for the whole noob Saibot thing. But, it the the fan service was legit for Jax losing his arms to Sub Zero because in the game later on down the line they changed it to where you know Noob Saibot ripped his arms off you know but that was cool but that goes back to the whole thing we we're talking about earlier on how they find their inner 
anaconda <laughs> right it is yeah i was trying you know I've, I've seen some discussions online from people who are much bigger fans and i was just trying to follow their logic because i saw some people that are like oh here we go again with the uh jacks in the arm saying it's like sort of like um every batman movie we have to see his parents die or we get a new spider-man origin story every time it's like people are like do we you know need to rewrite it and i'm like i don't really understand why people are griping but i, I you've explained that you know that this actually uh, uh for fans it's it's cool because uh that's originally how it happened right yeah that's exactly right i mean not exactly to the t but for the because obviously when bihan turns into the shadow ninja he doesn't use uh, his ice powers anymore he uses the uh uh the shadow the shadow realm powers or what and whatnot you know but um yeah he's the one that takes his arms off in the games so yeah like you've mentioned it a few times but i definitely um had a blast with kano that was really surprising for me um he was he was like a spitfire right from the first scene until the last scene and and when he finds his his power and his um laser eye it's hilarious because he's like you know i got a fucking laser eye and that's my biggest dispute with the movie yeah right there yeah totally because like i said first of all kano stole the show you're right you know he did but it's like from the get-go from the trailer the, these are earth champions and they announced him as earth champion i'm like no kano's a bad guy he He's sent by Shang Tsung in, 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 the, in the original storyline to go make sure that Sonya Blade enters the tournament, you know? Which, I mean, they kind of flipped that later on. That that made up for that, you right. know? But I was like, I was so pissed that, okay, he's going to help them out, and he kind of is. And yes, he delivered the comic relief when it was needed. He was freaking great. I loved his character, but I hate the fact that he didn't have his little cyber face, you know? The cyber, the cybernetic eye, the silver-plated face you know right side of his face yeah the terminator and, thing yeah you know and that's how he always had it and then when he finds his inner powers finally when they're training with Liu king and kung lao the shaolin monks to learn how to dig deep to find their powers and when he finally figures his out and he's shooting a laser out of his eye i'm like come on dude okay cool but that no 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 that's just that doesn't work for me and you know later on we find out like jacks how he actually gets his better cyber arms too because he finds his and his little janky dainty arms turn these badass fucking you know super machines i'm like dude really come on they could have just gave him better arms from the get-go yeah <laughs> i thought the the little skinny arms looked almost creepy like i didn't yeah it was funny i thought like he's yeah. like oh i hate these arms these arms oh yeah and he struggled you know? struggling with them yeah but yeah but when kano finds his power and it was funny when he found it you know but it just it just pisses me off that he has a laser eye because that was his inner power he figured out. And I'm surprised he didn't start, you know, turning into a cannonball and spinning around and, and hitting people like that, you know, or throwing his super knives. Well, it definitely <laughs> is, once again, sort of the struggle of taking something that's so um, based in fantasy and trying to ground it. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like, and once right. again, I hate bringing them up over and over again, but Marvel's been really successful in taking these... Um, outrageous unbelievable superheroes and putting them into a real world setting and making them at least a little believable and uh if you i mean these characters are are up to 11 as far as that you know there's everybody has something you know Liu kang can shoot fireballs and kano has a laser eye and Jax has the robot arms like uh everybody has this thing and maybe i think you know it's it's tough it's a tough balance because to me it's like 
we're going to love this. You don't have to make it so set in reality. It doesn't have to have a real life explanation. We right. love these characters. We want to see them murder each other in the most violent way possible. You don't have to make it us believe it because it's it's unbelievable either way. So I, I appreciate is, is Kano always been sort of a funny character? I don't remember that. Uh, he kind of I mean, obviously, later in life in the in the Mortal Kombat series, when they start doing dialogue in the games, you know, he's kind of just, you know, he is that Aussie, you know, wise ass, you know, guy. And obviously in the in Mortal Kombat movie in 1995, you know, he, he kind of was, you know, not funny, but just kind of that trashy character like that, you know. But, I mean, no, this is, that character is great. Don't get me wrong. Like I said, I hate that whole idea on how he got his laser eye, but I also get at the same time how they had to do that. And, you know, I, I come to terms with I'm I'm okay with it because I, I guarantee you he's going to come up in the sequel and he's going to have a, that metal-plated face and then a laser eye too, you know. So you got to do what you got to do to make it work. And, and I agree. I, I go into movies sometimes like, okay, it's not going to be – 100%. You just have to go into it and enjoy it for what it's worth, you know? And that's just me kind of being a little bit of an MK snob, I guess, you know? But I, I'm totally still fine with it. It's just like, eh, they had to figure out a way to explain it. I get it. I'm glad that it seems like fans are uh, receiving it well. Like, it's it's doing uh, pretty... It's not, you know, beloved by everybody. It's it, you, you can't please everybody, but it seems like... Um, like casuals like me are having fun with it and uh hardcore fans like you are enjoying it too so i'm glad it's doing great at the box office because it really does set itself up for the tournament the sequel and like you said they've left out several characters um and even as someone like me who barely remembers much of it i was instantly like you know where's johnny cage uh right i remember in some of the i mean obviously because of the popularity of, of uh, Sub-Zero and Scorpion later, they added like um, smoke. Was it um, right? You got, yeah. So like they kept, you know, what different color ninja can we make? Right. I mean, exactly. We can easily just render different colors. So yeah, they had, you know, like I said, noob Cybot, smoke, uh, Ermac, the red ninja rain, the purple ninja, uh, and which obviously purple rain, uh, you know, they got yeah. the cyber ninjas, Cyrax and sector, which they're, uh, their their uh, early names you know their test names were ketchup and mustard it was great <laughs> <laughs> so some people call them that too i would say reptile was one too wasn't he's was green but one? yeah reptile he was the original first hidden character in a mortal kombat game he showed up in mortal kombat one and if you uh did a double had a double flawless victory and a fatality on the pit stage whenever something flew in front of the moon then you would go fight reptile at the bottom of the pit yeah, I, who, I, who was a, a green ninja, but he had the powers of Sub Zero and Scorpion. So, who was your like go to? Like everybody had a character they loved to to play. Like when you played, you always selected that character. Who was I mean, your guy? I'm going to be a new because I just I, I'm a big Scorpion fan. Just be, he like said he steals the show. I hate to say that, you know. When I have I have other characters that I, I love to death. Being a, a game that has like over seventy five to eighty characters, you know. But I mean, Scorpion is always going to be my all time favorite. I mean playing mk on on super nintendo the original one with no blood and him taking that mask off and just showing his skull face and just torture torching you to death and his move with that spear and yelling get over here it's just it's it still gives me goosebumps to this day thinking about that and then they do that in this movie and ugh, it just uh, i i i wanted to stand up in the theater and start applauding you know because <laughs> I, that that last scene when he you know scorpion and sub-zero actually fighting it out just the tits dude it was so yeah, fucking good it, it's like building up to it you're waiting for it and when it finally happens it pays off um 
I was always like a Liu Kang guy because I was a button masher and he seemed to be the best for button mashing. You could, uh, a lot of his moves, I remember you could like, if you held two buttons for three seconds, let go, he shot the fireball. If you held on Sega, if you think it was, if you held all three buttons and let go, he did the bicycle Tor kick. Tor A did the fireball and yeah. then Tor Tor uh, C did the, uh, bi or the uh, kick. And more Kombat 2, if you held that low kick button for five seconds, then he would do that bicycle oh, kick. Oh, yes. And that would piss off my friends so much. And, right. Uh, and it's funny that you mentioned Luke King and you mentioned the button mashing thing because there's an Easter egg in the movie. And you catch on to it, probably. It's whenever Luke King and Kano were fighting and they're trying to, you know, help him find his inner power. And Luke King is doing that sweep back to back to back to back. Yeah. You remember that scene? He's like, oh, is that the only movie? No, Mike. You know? <laughs> yeah, like, and you like, could oh, do that oh, in God, the game. Oh, fuck me. Yeah, that's, 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 a, that's a, a spam in the game that, like, a lot of noobs do. You know, a lot of beginners that are just going to yep. do that sweep all the time. And it's funny because you said, you know, you like Luke King because you feel like you can button mash with him to win. And in the movie, he's basically doing a spam move <laughs> to piss Kano off. So it was great. A lot, of good, a lot of hidden Easter eggs like that in the movie, too. It was great. What else did you see, like, as far as the Easter eggs? So in the scene, whenever uh, Jax is running from Sub-Zero before he loses his arms. On the back wall, there's something spray-painted on the wall. I, can't, I don't know what the word is, but under, underneath it is an LP plus, uh, or a down toward plus LP, which is down toward low punch, which is Sub-Zero's fire blast. That's how you do his fireball move in, or not fireball, ice ball, excuse me, in the Mortal Kombat game. So they kind of threw that on there. And then a lot of the hidden pictures that you see in there, uh, they show that, the Indian character, the Native American character, on uh, that Sonya's wall, and it was Night Wolf who appears in Mortal Kombat Three. Yep, I remember there's him. a uh, there's a little cup on that. There's a lot of things on that wall. You just got to kind of you know watch it and look at it. But uh, there's like a picture with like a, a cup or whatever, and this weird Centaurian creatures on it. That's obviously Motaro, the last end boss in Mortal Kombat Three. So he has a little scene in there. Uh, who is it? Kotal Khan, who's a new character from Mortal Kombat X and Mortal Kombat 11. They show a picture of his face on that wall as he's the Asak warrior. So you gotta, you know, you gotta kind of really pay attention and know the series, like you said. When they make it to the uh, Liu Kang's or Raiden's temple, you see Katana's uh, fan in the background. The little amulet that uh, Kano tries to steal, that's uh, Shinnok's amulet, who is one of the elder gods who goes bad in Mortal Kombat 4. And in later games, that amulet's like the key thing as to what everybody's wanting to take control of the realms with so it's sitting there raiden has, obviously has already killed shinnok by this time because he has that amulet and then kano's trying to steal it is like oh shit look at that you know so a lot of cool little hidden things like that yeah for some reason i didn't remember melina is she what, what game was she, is she not there from she, the so she's she? from mortal kombat 2 melina's okay so this they don't really get into her backstory because obviously Katana isn't even in this movie. All we see is her fan. I remember Katana, but, um, but I don't remember Melina. Mortal Kombat 2 is when she was created. So Katana being the, the daughter of Sindel, who was Shao Kahn's wife, um, Shao Kahn kills Sindel's husband and takes, adopts Katana, you know, takes Sindel. Sindel eventually kills herself, um, adopts Katana, and as a little kid, decide you know what she needs a sister and he has shang sung clone her a sister so takes her dna and tarkatan dna which tarkatans are the race that baraka is the character with swords that comes out of his oh wrists, i remember baraka you know? yeah yeah so he's in mortal kombat 2 as well and that's why you get katana and melina they're they're twin sisters basically originally that's how they label their story and obviously she's the pink ninja in mortal kombat 2 with size and uh her fatality 
reveals her true self, one of them, because she takes her mask off and she has these like teeth that look just like Baraka's and then she sucks you up and turns around and spits you out and you're nothing but bones. And that's kind of like why in this in this movie you see her and she's got this weird bloody mouth and these sharp ass teeth and she's kind of cannibalistic. It's because she's half Tarkatan. Well, she looked awesome. Like her her design in this movie, she was to me the most intimidating character. Uh, oh, she you know she looked great. Yeah, I mean, I I I liked her all the way, and I, I love the fact how they put their moves in there too. That like from the fighting game, like mm-hmm. like how she would drop down to the floor and come out to the top with the kick. That's her first special move. It is a really spammy move. Like you'd hit toward toward low kick, and she would drop to the floor and then come from the ceiling kicking you in the head. And you could just keep doing that. You would be the king of the button mashes with her. <laughs> what, you know, if you can just get into that juggle with her, the, the next character you're fighting, you know, he isn't going to have a chance. And she does that in the movie, kind of like Kong Lao does a little bit too where he does his little teleport thing. He actually teleports into his opening scene. You know, all you see is his hat on the floor, mm-hmm. and he teleports out of the ground. He's like, I'm Kung Lao. Hey. <laughs> yeah, everybody has their moment, but I, I do feel like um, with so many characters, like Melina, I, I definitely felt like um, got sort of left, like like you said, no real backstory at all, just sort of gets thrown in there because she looks awesome. But uh, like- And they kind of had to do that with a lot of the characters, though, because, I mean... Two of the characters that they had in this movie literally only popped up in like basically one Mortal Kombat game. Rico, or they call him Raiko, and uh, Naitara, the, the vampire bat lady. She's only in Mortal Kombat Deadly Alliance and, of course, Mortal Kombat Armageddon because every fighter was in that. But there's really no story to them in, the, in that game. And then Raiko, he's only in Mortal Kombat 4. So it's like these guys, they, they, you know, they, uh, I don't know what brainstorm they had for picking certain characters. I guess they wanted to find a couple of characters that were barely ever used in the Mortal Kombat series and sneak them in there, you know? So everybody's kind of lost because Nitara's like, why is she in there? Or is she going to come back? And everybody thinks that this is going to be a crossing, like I said, with the Mortal Kombat 11 video game because it's had so much phenomenal, crazy DLC, you know, Mm -hmm. for adding new fighters into the game. Any way to make a buck, am I right? Right. I mean, it it now has Terminator, Rambo, Robocop, Joker, and Spawn in it. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. I've seen that all online. Everybody goes crazy every time they announce it. Right, so every time they do a guest character, they're also like, what other character will they bring back from previous Mortal Kombat games? And this one, they also, they brought a character back from Mortal Kombat 4, Fujin. He was only in that game right there. And he's like the god of wind. Well, actually, he was in Mortal Kombat Sub-Zero's Mythologies. Mortal Kombat Mythologies Sub-Zero is like the first ever adventure game they ever tried doing with the Mortal Kombat series, where you play a Sub-Zero in a like 2D platforming game. And that's the first time you've seen Fujin, but then they put him in MK4 as a fighter. But yeah, so it's like, how do they just, where was the, where were they at on the brainstorming? Like, guess what? Let's put Natara in here. How about Raikou? Let's, let's, let's add him, you know? It's like, okay, why these characters? But yet... They threw badass characters as well to help steal a show like Molina and Cabal looked phenomenal. Yeah, it looked awesome. Yeah, I agree. And it's like I said, they jam packed this with so many characters. They obviously have to leave some out, but it's like it's a gamble because, you know, not having big names like Johnny Cage, that's the one everyone's been questioning about when this was released. And um, it's it's a gamble because what if this came out and it was a complete flop and everybody hated it no sequel uh, and now you know Johnny Cage never appears in in this you know this new movie franchise that would be a huge bummer for people but um, with the ending of this movie like I said it sets up a a you know uh, a sequel for um, the big tournament and Johnny Cage coming and I know a lot of people have been talking about casting in that role what what are your thoughts on that? 
I mean, I'm all for Ryan Reynolds doing it. That'd be great. I, I know everybody's like petitioning for that right there. I think he would do a good Johnny Cage. As for me, just I, I can't even think of it like who I'd really care to do. As long as they just have that good self-centered ego, you know, I, I'm fine with that. It'd be crazy if they actually got Jean-Claude Van Damme to do it, though, because he was originally <laughs> the Mortal Kombat when it was created. The game was made, was originally intended for him to be the star of the game, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah. They wanted to make a Bloodsport-ish fighting game with, like, costumes stolen from uh, Big Trouble in Little China. And uh, there's like, well, we got to get Jean-Claude Van Damme. He's got to be the lead, the lead character, you know, this, you know, Hollywood martial arts guy, blah, blah, blah. And uh, he was interested for a little bit and then denied to do the movie he the the game and he went on to do something else game related so they went ahead and ran with the game anyways because midway liked the idea of this you know realistic fighting game but they just picked up a different actor that kind of looked close to jean-claude van damme daniel piscina and uh put him in the character of johnny cage instead so at one point in time mortal kombat could have been starring jean-claude van damme oh it was street fire that's why it was because street fighter the movie came out yep. and he played guile in it yeah and then he he starred as guile in the they made a street fighter the movie the video game which is like a mortal kombat ripoff of street fighter it, it's a realistic uh digitized actor version of street fighter yeah that's that's sort of crazy i mean he was also originally gonna play the predator i mean you've seen those pictures right of him exactly in that he actually did scenes as the predator right. too i think they did costume with him or whatever yep. so they changed it up yeah. and actually and there's a different i think NECA just released the toy too didn't they release the predator toy like the original model of the predator or something like that i don't think they've put out that version yet i think a lot of people are waiting for it i think they're they're holding out because they like to keep well, i think it's because yeah. the, there's a toy reviewer on youtube i watch laura legends and she she showed it off. It, she might. They she, might have. I. I don't collect the. They might the have sent her the yeah. copy. It was like a hundred something dollars for the figure. Yeah, it was crazy. But yeah, that that makes a lot of sense that they you know started with an inspiration on him and uh, I, I've seen some other names like the Miz as. Uh, oh, I've seen that too, and I, I think actually because I hate the Miz, I don't like him at all. <laughs> you know, but he may do a good job as Johnny Cage. You know. I, who knows this this road rules turned wrestler star you know that's a perfect fit because he's kind of got that ego you know well i think with the rest of this cast it might be better for them to sort of just pick an unknown like or you know a lesser known actor because it seems like when you throw somebody with a big name in there of course it brings more eyes to something but sometimes it also can hurt things because you only see that actor in that role and I don't know. I, I I love Ryan Reynolds. I love him in Deadpool. I love him in everything. But um, I don't see him pick playing the part of Johnny Cage though at all. Deadpool's his character, and I don't see him trying to double down on another franchise like that. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I mean, of course, I would watch it, and I would probably end up loving it because he's he's hilarious and and could play that character. But it's like, do we need him in every time? Every time there's a smart cracking like dickhead do we need him to play it i don't know i mean maybe yeah. maybe i don't like know playing detective pikachu all i heard was deadpool you know <laughs> yeah yeah so i don't know i'm sort of split on it but then again i'm not attached to this like um like you guys are like you and the other big time fans like i'm just here for the ride and uh i mean that's why i had you on because i'm like i'm gonna watch this anyways i want to hear what someone who knows their shit actually thinks about this because my opinion on it is uh 
I'm just here to enjoy a dumb, violent movie. And it, it exactly, it, it was higher up than that. Like it, it actually was elevated. I felt like, um, it's like I, I've said, this, this franchise is just almost impossible to put on screen with real live actors and make it, uh, believable. But we're at that time now where the technology is caught up with the video games where it's like, we can do this stuff on screen and make it not look like shit. Like, there was nothing on the, in this movie that made me cringe. It, there was like all the graphics, all the all the um, effects looked really, really good. The makeup, everything was oh, really cool. Yeah, it, it visually it was phenomenal, totally. And I know some people said they didn't like. Well, they're not as hardcore of fans, I think. But I, I've had a couple friends say they didn't like the costumes too much. I'm like, what didn't you like about those costumes? Were great. Yeah, I mean, they don't look like cosplay. They don't. I mean once again, you sort of have to set them in, in a real life where they're functional. And I thought like, like Scorpion Sub-Zero were awesome. I thought the ice effects were really awesome. They were amazing. They were and then like Raiden's lightning looked really good as well. Um, and just the, even when they would do the fatalities and obviously those were CG, you know, done, you know, CG wise. And they looked like when, when, like I said, you said you saw Kung Lao cut someone in half. That's a legit fatality that he does in like Mortal Kombat 9 where he throws his hat down like that and grabs the character. It's called the table saw and he just pulls him through it like that. This one's a little bit different because he throws it down there and he rides her straight through it. But the, the slice looks so good. And then you see inside the person is just like so visually like it, it looks real, you know. It was well done. And like when Jax does his signature fatality from Mortal Kombat 2 on Raikou, when he does the clap, mm-hmm. you know, the, and just like busts his head, it just, it looked really good. Yeah. And they, and they have to find that balance where the MPAA will allow them an R rating. Cause I mean, realistically, if they film these things just as they were in the games for everybody, like it would get an X rating or an NC 17 at least. You right. Know? And I don't know. Have they, has there been any rumblings about like an unrated version later? I, I haven't heard anything like that. I mean, obviously, you know, this movie kind of just, I mean, even though we knew it was coming, it just like dropped like, Oh, here's the trailer. Here's the movie. Let's go. I I'm there. There may be another cut up, but I, I highly doubt that, you know, cause obviously they're going to want to move forward with the franchise. I know for a fact that the character who plays sub zero signed on for two more movies already. So we know there's going to be, this is going to turn into a series. So, yeah, it seemed he it seemed right from the get go. He's sort of the focus of it and the main, you know, obviously the main bad guy. Uh, and I feel like it also like we, we mentioned earlier, him and Scorpion are sort of the faces of the franchise. So they want to put them front and center. But uh, I, I really like I said, I thought the the uh, ice effects and, and the way they handled his character was was pretty damn awesome for someone who's, you know, recognizes him as what he is, but not as a huge hardcore fan. I was like okay, uh, this looks really awesome. I, I thought, you know, taking something that's so unbelievable and, and they, it's just something they couldn't do back in 1995 when they made these movies, you know? No, and, and they did their best they could because, like I said, the movie in 95, it's still, in my opinion, still holds up to watch. Like, I, I watched it the other day before, you know, the before Mortal Kombat dropped, I did my little Scary Gary's Thursday binge like I do, and I binge-watched the Mortal Kombat series, you know? And uh, watching this is just, it, it's always, the, or the 1995 version, it's still fun to watch, you know, even though, like, yeah, graphically it can't be as good, but it's good for what it's worth. Yeah. It's, it like I said, I think it holds a, a nostalgic place in a lot of people's hearts. Like, they fondly remember um, 
watching it when they were kids, probably a lot of sleepovers, uh, you know, watching it, uh, eating too much candy, drinking too much Mountain drinking Dew. Drinking a lot Joel. of Surge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so Surge is probably more accurate, 95, yeah. Yeah, drinking Surge, uh, watching this movie, and then playing the games on Super Nintendo later on. Yes. Munching on, uh, you know, stuffed crust pizza and uh, Reese's peanut butter cups <laughs> absolutely that, that's too accurate sounding isn't it <laughs> oh and i still and i still do that kind of stuff you know without the sleepover but i still like well, i do have, exactly that's you know like you said you follow my instagram and you see the things i do and i try to relive some of those like moments in time when life was simpler and just just do little themed nights like that even if it's just you know me and jill you know my wife and just sitting there and watching that and it's like just just for the fun the nostalgia factor of it and it's just i'm good with that you know now as an adult of course i'll pour a nice little adult beverage to do it <laughs> yeah with instead, instead of, you know yeah instead of surge they probably have like a a surge beer somewhere like a micro brew yeah that's like well there's actually a mortal Kombat beer out there doesn't surprise well, me at all yeah it was i mean they i you probably couldn't find it now i mean it was a a limited brew back when mkx came out mortal Kombat 10 but uh yeah, I mean, it was I forget what brewery out of California and I I try to get some of it. I'm pretty sure some of my friends here locally have it, but it's like, you know, yeah, they they have it and that and that's what I do now. I'm I'm find a good craft beer and I'm I'll pair it with things. It's like one of my my other Instagram I have called uh, Pints and Pixels and I I've really lacked on it, but I was, you know, during the pandemic I was really trying to stay up on it, but I like I pair, you know, retro games with craft beers, you know, like let's say home alone for nes with a, a local beer nutcracker because it's a holiday based beer you mm-hmm. know christmas beer so like just do things like that and i've, I've always kind of wanted to do a show like that where i get a guy together guy girl any anybody you know for that matter to let's just pair this up and uh, do a let's play and play this uh crazy ass old video game while we drink this awesome beer to pair it up with you know yeah it sounds like a lot of fun yeah so before we sort of wrap up do you have any final uh thoughts on mortal Kombat? so i I, i'm i'm curious like we said you know what they're going to do with the cole young character something we really didn't touch base on with it with his whole backstory is the fact that you know yeah yeah in the beginning seven minutes of the movie we learn you know that sub-zero kills you know bihan sub-zero kills um hanzo hasashi aka scorpion and we see him you know just turn into some fire and go disappear. Well, something they don't explain is he, he, he is sent to the nether realm, which is like hell, you know, a hell realm. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's down there forever. And his ultimate, ultimate plan is just vengeance to just take down Scorpion and the Lin Kuei and their, their whole clan of people. Just, he has it out for him, you know? And like in the original game, he's the one that kills, sub-zero like we see in this movie obviously mm-hmm. you know and sub-zero becomes like I said noob cybot but you know in this one you know scorpion's pretty dormant we don't see him very much and that's because that's the introduction to cole young because really one thing that you know you, you we learned that you know sub scorpion had this kid hiding whenever his family was getting killed right, put getting him in murdered. the floorboards yeah yeah floorboard and raiden takes that kid on and that keeps his bloodline going you know so therefore the shirai ryu actually lives on and eventually passes it on to this new character cole young who doesn't know anything about his backstory except for the fact that he keeps having these like flashes of some weird guy in hell or whatever saying venge me oh, you know and the little the the scorpion spear you know that spear tool or whatnot mm-hmm. you know and so you know we kind of learn and, and i had a feeling that he was going to be a descendant of scorpion because 
the bracelets him and his daughter swap out oh yeah you know? yep. they're 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 yellow and black you know and scorpion's obviously the yellow ninja and whenever cole young finds his inner strength it comes from that bond right there which him and his daughter share through those bracelets and it turns into that awesome suit and they say in the, in the movie you know cole young always the punching bag and obviously that armor that he just that he grows from that bracelet is he's like you know can take in all the punches that are thrown at him and he can use them again you know, to his advantage. Mm-hmm. And that's what he does when he takes Goro down. So, I mean, like, I'm excited to see where they're going to do with this because we now know that he is the descendant of, that's why he's the prophecy, the descendant of Scorpion. And who knows what else is going to happen. Maybe his daughter is going to eventually start to, you know, gain powers herself so that they can, you know, in this cinematic world of Mortal Kombat, what they're going to do with these new characters that they can eventually add on to it, you know, because, like, yeah, we want to see the the video game characters but after seeing what they did with Cole Young, I'm fine with them going ahead and continuing continuing on and maybe introducing new characters in the series. Yeah, I thought that was um, sort of a cool way to tie him in because I, I really did not know where they were going with it. I'm like, he's a shitty MMA fighter. What's the story? Why does he have the mark? You know, um, right. And what are they doing with this guy? Like, are they going to try to at first or at the beginning? I'm like, are they going to try to like play this guy off as one of like the other characters that like i don't know are they gonna try to change his name too but right i don't know it was it was as someone who does watch mma um it's it's very interesting also to sort of see how that's portrayed on screen that's always been sort of tough for people to accurately put on screen because it's not always the most um, he should have used the uppercut damn it yeah yeah (laughs) But it, it does leave us on a huge cliffhanger. We, you know, we do discover, and, and there's se- several scenes where, like, Cole's coming um, into the Earth realm, then, you know, back and forth, and we, we were put in um, Scorpion's, like, hell, hell realm, and then we go into uh, Sub-Zero's world where everything's frozen. There's, like, a scene in a cage where he has the, his, is it his daughter frozen? Um, so, yeah, the, that they go back to, you know, Earth realm. That's, that's the gym that Cole Young was training in. You know, and that's where Scorpion takes Cole Young's family and, you know, he or not Scorpion, but Sub-Zero takes Cole Young's family and is basically doing what he did in the beginning of the movie with Scorpion's right. family. You know, has Cole Young's family all frozen up and for very good reasons. Why, why, he, why he wants Cole Young so bad is because, yeah, he's Scorpion's descendant and Sub-Zero only wanted to take down the Shirai Ryu clan and therefore Cole Young being alive, they still live on. So he failed as a... Lin Kuei ninja, you know, so therefore, yeah, I'm gonna get your family, I'm gonna freeze them up, and uh, you're gonna come fight me. And he shows up, but then obviously, ultimately, I thought that Cole Young was gonna turn into Scorpion, though, is what I was thinking was gonna happen. Maybe that's where you're going, like they were gonna turn him into Scorpion, you right, know, but yeah. I thought for sure, like eventually something's gonna happen to where he just, Scorpion, you know, he turns into him and where Scorpion takes his body over, you know, but I was glad that, you know, Scorpion finally just came back from the nether realm after all these centuries, you know, and is ready to take Scorp- Sub-Zero down, you know, so, and why, why Cole Young's sitting there trying to, you know, save his family from the ice. Yeah, it's that scene where he does, and, and we've mentioned a few times where he does get back to the earth realm and then they just drop Goro into like his garage or like a, like a barn or something. It's so wild. Like, 
you know, Goro just busts out a thing, and his his daughter's like, oh, like, what the, f- that's... Yeah, you know. what is that? But then when he takes Squirrel down, that whole, like, uppercut, he finally does the uppercut after he finds his inner strength or whatever, his inner power, and has that awesome, crazy gold armor and those weird weapons, and he uses those weapons as that uppercut and just splits Goro right in the middle, and his guts just spill everywhere. Uh-huh. That, was, that was pretty dope. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm glad you sort of mentioned that, you know, that death in these, in this franchise isn't always final, so it's like we can have him again because he as a kid he was always one of my like you know obviously my least favorite because he's the bad guy but it was like one of the coolest designs like a guy with four arms you know it's right right. yeah and in the original games he like said he was the end baddie he was you know he's prince goro and you know the 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 winner of mortal Kombat. but later games he's pretty much just a fighter that you can select yeah Yeah, you know but he's badass and he's still you know I don't know if they really, they call him Goro, not necessarily Prince Goro, but he was a prince of the Shokan race, and uh, he's half human, half dragon, whatever, you know, but yeah, badass character, and like I said, no one is ever dead in Mortal Kombat. We've seen characters die and all of a sudden come back in the next game, of course, well, I mean, and that's kind of a take they do. Whenever, like, Shang Tsung, you know, after everything's said and done, the big fight between Sub-Zero and Scorpion happen, you know, and Scorpion takes down Sub-Zero by doing his classic fatality where he takes his mask off and starts blowing fire out of his mouth and his face starts to turn into a skull mm-hmm. and then Sub-Zero is just singed to a crisp. And then Shang Tsung's like, okay, go get everyone. We're not done yet. You know, and he just, you, know, you see everybody turn to that black smoke and because he's taking everybody with him, including like Kano, who Sonya eventually kills. And it's funny because there's a scene in the movie where Kano spits on a gnome's like a fucking height names. And <laughs> Sonya kills him by sticking a gnome right in his eye. You know, uh-huh. it, it happens to be the eye that he shoots his laser out of. And that's why I think later on in life, we're going to see Kano back resurrected by, subs, by Shang Tsung. And he's going to have that metal plate over his face because his eye, face got bashed up and he'll have his laser eye. But yeah, Shang Tsung's going to resurrect everyone back except for maybe cabal because i don't see i didn't see him take his body with him <laughs> yeah i mean we start the movie like in the first few minutes scorpion's killed and then he comes obviously comes back so yeah anybody can come back at any time and i mean that's what sort of made these video games you know a blast was that it wasn't it didn't take themselves too so seriously but it was always uh, like you know right a good gory so, amount of fun let me ask you a question dad um what is your most iconic scene from this movie right here? What is the scene that you watched that just made you go, God damn, that was badass? I don't know. Probably that, uh, the uh, buzzsaw scene. I love that kill. That was awesome. Yeah. For me, honestly, it's, it's the start of the fight with Sub-Zero and Scorpion, which we saw in the trailer. It was a little different sounding in this one, you know, when he throws the spear and he tells him to get over here. But the music from the original Mortal Kombat theme song starts playing, you know? They started doing that, you know, that whole that techno Mortal Kombat from the Mortal Kombat 1995 movie. We're like, Mortal Kombat! I'm like, fuck yes, there it is. We're about to see a badass fight. Let's go. And it it obviously delivered because it was the best fight in the whole movie, too. Yeah, it kicks it up in the next year. Like, this is what it's basically saying, like, this is what you've all been waiting for. Here you go. It hands it to us on a plate, like you're watching right. for this. if you're someone that felt like it did get laggy because like i said it, it moved pretty well and it, it was enjoyable the whole time you know there may have been a couple of slow things i feel for explanation reasons where they try to explain certain things but for the most part it, it moved and flowed really nicely and that last scene right there the, for me the last 45 minutes are just 
the best because yeah they go fight and you see some awesome fatalities people get taken down this and that you know but then you get to see the fight between sub-zero and scorpion that music kicks in you know you're in for a good ride and it delivered and then you know it, it ends on a high note yeah good ending um i i was waiting for like a post-credit scene at the end oh, we're so yeah, used I, to I, that I, so you said that too, but I, I had a feeling there wasn't going to be one. I was at least just maybe thinking after, because, you know, I'm a big fan of at least, even if there isn't a post-credit, like how movies do nowadays where they do the, like, the flashy credits to start off, you know, where they're showing the late actors and they're doing all the cool graphics or whatever, you know? Uh-huh. And I loved how they did that because it was like red and black, you know, and with that Mortal Kombat, the newer version of the Mortal Kombat theme song they did from the 1995 movie. And uh, just, I was like, okay, maybe they'll do a quick little tidbit or a quick little little end credit right here you know but it just ended and I, and I knew there wasn't going to be anything else because the movie will sell itself when Mortal Kombat 2 comes out it'll do probably just as well as this movie did right here because the franchise it just sells you know you you put Mortal Kombat on a you know a happy meal and people going to buy it yeah it's it's a franchise that's um endured for all these years it's not going anywhere <laughs> Uh, even if this would have flopped, give us another five, ten years, and they would have rebooted it again. So, yeah, I, and I, I hope we don't ever see another re-reboot. I mean, just kind of run with this and see where it goes, and you know, make 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 a trilogy out of it, and just there you go. I mean, they have so many characters; they could do spinoffs. They they could do you know series. Well, that's what I see them do. I mean, obviously, like they they tried that with the video games too. You know, like I said, there was that the game that came out. In like 1998, Sub Zero Mythologies, it was just a, a a game talking about Sub Zero's life, you know. And you, it it wasn't that the best of a platforming game, but then they tried it again later on on PlayStation with a Mortal Kombat Special Forces, and it was their second attempt at an adventure game starring the Special Forces characters, ma- mainly Jax, and um, it just it kind of flopped. It wasn't good, but then they struck gold whenever they made Mortal Kombat Shaolin Monks for the PlayStation 2 and Xbox, and it's your, you play as Liu Kang and Kung Lao, and the story takes place in between Mortal Kombat 1 and Mortal Kombat 2. It, start, it, it picks right up after the Mortal Kombat 1 tournament, and you play as Liu Kang and Kung Lao, a, a, a co-op game. You can play it by yourself, but it's much more fun with a friend, and it's just an awesome beat-em-up game with like legit fatalities, and you're going through all these awesome stages from the mortal kombat universe from any anything that was like a background stage in a Mortal Kombat one or two game you're going to kind of go through these worlds in this game and they do it so well and then like you fight all these like characters button mash to kill them and then you get an option to do a fatality on them and you got to program a number and then you'll do a quick little fatality and then it ends off with the way mortal kombat 2 ends where you fight shao khan you know so a very well done game right there so i mean yeah i could see them taking advantage of that and maybe just doing like individual stories may be possible because, like I said, there's a roster of like 75, 80 characters in the Mortal Kombat world. Yeah, I mean, I, I imagine Scorpion or or Sub Zero or both of them could have their own, you know, side story, their own movie. Uh, you know, just basically even doing their uh, their backstories or anything. You know, it's just the the possibilities are endless with these with this franchise totally dude totally so before we wrap up let my listeners know where they can find you what you've got going on anything you want to plug this is your time well honestly don't have much going on in life right now just trying to you know get back into the swing of things to get to some semi-normalcy but uh i am a bit of an instagram whore so you can follow me on instagram at scary gary kc uh i do tweet from time to time so at scary gary kc on the twitters as well and if you just want to maybe check me out play a little mortal Kombat, you know my 
my gamer tag on PlayStation 4, Scary Gary KC. I kind of keep it simple, baby. I love following you on Instagram because you make me feel a little less uh, crazy because I do similar <laughs> stuff, not quite as, as extensive as you as far as a marathon stuff. But I, you know, I like Friday 13th. I'll always watch Friday 13th movies. Um, I sort of, you know, center around stuff like that. And I'm like, Gary gets me. So I, I, I feel totally. like I'm not alone when I do stuff like that because uh, I, I love watching what you're doing and, and you do it to the extreme. So keep doing it. Uh, you have a fan in me always watching. Well, I appreciate that, and I appreciate, you know, you sending me the invite to be on this. I love to be able to do things like this and talk about something right in my alley, too, baby, Mortal Kombat. So I'm, I'm very grateful and humble for being on your show tonight. Oh, it's it's fantastic to have you. Like I said, um, my my knowledge and history with this franchise is so limited, I had to have somebody who knew what they were talking about, and you exceeded my expectations. So uh, thanks so much for coming on, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks. Go out and watch Mortal Kombat Armageddon, or, yeah, Annihilation, excuse me. Watch it now. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. If you enjoy the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. A special thank you goes out to my friend Scott Schreiner for our intro and outro music. We'll see you next week on First Time Podcast. Test your mind! Test your mind!